0: Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host Gavin Meenan and on this podcast I will be speaking to inspirational individuals who specialise in the field of physical and mental health. To offer you the tools that you need to become a stronger, healthier and more confident man in today's world. Hello and welcome to episode number 65 of the Modern Warrior podcast. Today, I have Jimmy Whiteman with me on the episode. Jimmy's also known as the meditation guy. And I'm very interested in in Jimmy's journey in terms of um, his own struggles with alcoholism, with insomnia, and how he used meditation to bring a level of inner peace in his life. And Jimmy now teaches groups and, and people how to find this inner peace within themselves through the tools of, of meditation. And as I said, it's something that I'm very intrigued by. I feel like a lot of us men, if we are struggling, if we have difficulties, we tend to push through, we tend to, take on that challenge with aggressiveness we want to move forward but sometimes to move forward in life the most important thing you can do is to be still and I feel that there's no better way to be still than meditation so I myself have explored meditation I've explored different practices and I have my certain routine at the moment it's not meditation but perhaps a form of meditation so I'm looking forward to this conversation with Jimmy to understand the benefits of meditation all the more and for all of you guys to, uh, to gain some insight and information as to uh, the importance of ultimately staying still and helping, helping you to move forward by, uh, by using the tools of meditation in whatever sort of form. So yeah, without further ado, let's uh, speak to Jimmy. How are you, my man?
1: Very good, thank you. Yeah, great to be here and uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Likewise, my man. And uh, yeah, as we spoke uh, before we started recording there, I'm very interested in in your background and because for me, it's it's very familiar. I, I too, in my early 20s, was quite a heavy drinker to the point where almost every night out resulted in a blackout and... Uh, It was quite. I was quite an aggressive drunk. That again. That not that I became aggressive when I was drinking, but it was just a very aggressive approach to drinking, where it was almost like a a self destruct process. And it sounds a little bit familiar to your own journey. And uh, for me, coming out this other side of that understanding the reasons as to why I had such a a toxic approach to alcohol was to numb a pain or numb a certain trauma that I, or escape a certain trauma that was underlying beneath my surface. So yes, tell us a bit more about your journey in terms of um, those nights and those days of, of drinking and partying and how you found meditation to help you Uh, reach this level of inner peace that the alcohol ultimately failed to bring to your life sure yeah
1: absolutely well like you say I'm 42 now so I guess this story starts in the uh, early 2000s when I was in my 20s like most people well a lot of people that age you are drawn to being social and the partying and all of that so it all starts quite innocently i was very into my music so i wanted to go to all the music festivals and all the clubbing scene and all that and sure enough you know made a group of friends who were all into djing and clubbing and all the same things and i i look back on that time and i think i have a huge amount of good memories and i still have a lot of good friends from that time but the problem is is if you party too hard for too long as i'm sure some of your listeners will know then you do start to have some mental health problems. And that's what happened to me really in the, in in my early sort of twenties, I started, got into the clubbing scene, but by my mid twenties, I was feeling a bit burnt out. I had chronic insomnia. So I would just dread going to bed every night because I knew I'd just be lying there awake. um, And I had no control over my mind. You know, that little inner monologue would run wild. I was completely lost in the world of my own negative thinking. It never occurred to me at the time that <laughs> thoughts were just passing shows in the mind. I would have never have thought that, you know, in the way that I do now. Everything seemed serious and everything seemed a problem. And I started to just, yeah, drink every evening, really, just as a way to kind of numb my mind out, get those those destructive thought patterns down and also get myself in a place where my body is relaxed enough to be able to sleep but of course you know you build up a tolerance to alcohol so if you keep doing that every night over a number of years after a few years you know you're having to drink a bottle of wine a few beers just on a Monday night to get you off to sleep and just like you at the weekend to get blackout you have to go 10 times as hard so it's a, it is a downward spiral yeah and it's it's puts you physically in quite a bad place um now it's interesting what you said before about why i why was i drinking what trauma or what kind of pain was i trying to numb out and the truth is is that when i think about it there's no one specific thing that i can point to and say that's what it was um there were obviously traumas and things that happened in my childhood but generally speaking i would say i was brought up in with you know people who loved me and who took care of me and i was given nice things so it wasn't like a terrible childhood or anything like that but definitely some residue of the past was left inside me that was causing me to be unbalanced in some way and yeah, I think I, I really seeked out distraction in any way that I could. So it wasn't just the partying and the clubbing. But when I look back on it, I was always connected to an like an iPod or a CD player or I always had the TV on. There was no way in the world I would just sit quietly doing nothing back in those days. Um, and so this is where it all started. I, I started Googling online um looking for meditation for sleep that was the first thing it all started out with because i kept coming across these articles that said meditation is a clinically proven way to deal with insomnia and depression and i thought well this is what i need it would never have occurred to me to go to a therapist or something like that because just not in my family we didn't do things like that and my generation we didn't really do that Uh, I would now, you know, I advise people to do it all the time when they come to me for meditation advice. Um, But seeking out something that I could do on my own to fix this problem seemed like a good idea. Meditation kept coming up. So I started experimenting first with the sleep CDs. And after a while that didn't really work. So I ended up doing um, a classroom based mindfulness course. And that really did seem to help that helped because it wasn't just about calming the mind but it also gave you insights into why the mind moves like it does how the mind and the body are connected and how to see that thoughts are not actually real and you don't have to get lost in the world of thoughts and you can witness thoughts learn all of these techniques and that was very very powerful for me and it did have a certain amount of change to me going through this eight week classroom based course. But once it was over, (laughs) funnily enough, I drifted back into my old ways quite quick. There was something about mindfulness that didn't stick for me at first. And so I went looking to see what other, um, options were out there because i had bought into the idea that meditation could help i liked the idea of having a calm mind and a calm body i'd kind of bought into the cliched idea of you know the monk sitting by a stream you know with lotus flowers i wanted to feel like that guy you know (laughs) and i wasn't quite getting it so i went looking around and i found uh close to my house where i used to live in london somebody teaching a different style of meditation which she called vedic meditation And I thought, okay, read the website, seems scientific, so let's try it out. And I went along and had a chat with her and I told her, you know, I'm drinking far too much and I've got insomnia and I I go through these really low dark periods of depression. And I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's to do with anything specific that happened, but I just feel very lost in my life. I don't really like, I feel a bit stuck in the job I'm doing and all of this stuff. And she said, well, look, I'll teach you this meditation And all you have to do is do it for 20 minutes, twice a day, every day. Don't make any other changes. Just do this and see what happens." (laughs) So I thought, okay, well, that sounds easy. I'll do that. I went along to her course. And at first I thought I'm in the wrong place because there was a picture of an Indian guru on the wall. There was fruits and flowers. She was singing a song in Sanskrit that I didn't understand. And she's lighting incense. And me and the other people in the room are kind of looking at each other nervously, like, are we in the right place? What's going on? I now years later understand this to be something called a puja ceremony. It's very common in India. It's a way to pay respect to where this knowledge comes from. The guru on the wall, I now know who that is. But at the time, it was just a bit of a shock because I'm not from that culture. But it all settled down. We started the course and it was just two hours every day for four days. And that was it. And so she gave us this mantra, she taught us how to use it, gave us all this practical information and we just practiced. And after the four days, the insomnia problem was completely cured. It was completely gone to the point where I went home, went to bed at half nine, completely blackout. I felt like I just caught up years of sleep um, in that night. Woke up the next morning at 5 a.m. and was just filled with energy. And I just thought, this is it. This is it. I found the thing. And I must admit, it's evened out a bit now. (laughs) I'm not waking up at 5 a.m. every morning these days. But something just flipped over in that that first period where I got taught this. And so I carried on doing this meditation religiously every day. I thought, I do not want to lose this. This is just working for me. And the more I did it, the better things got And after a while, I just kind of forgot that the sleeping problem was even an issue and the depression had cleared up and my reason for doing it started to change. No longer am I trying to solve problems, but now I want to see how good can this get? If I really like take this to more of an extreme, maybe do some of these other courses that you can do more advanced, learn some other techniques, go on some retreats, Like, what's going to happen here? So I got very excited about that side of it. Um, I still... wasn't really buying into the spiritual philosophical side i just wanted the benefits you know and so i carried on doing it for that reason and then sure enough after a while i started to have some experiences which couldn't be explained scientifically and that's when i got more drawn into looking at the spiritual philosophical side because i was finding some answers there which i couldn't possibly find in any kind of scientific literature
0: and yeah it's all just blossomed from there Incredible, man. Like there's um, <clears throat> there's so much there because uh, I think especially maybe for men, I don't know if this is being debunked or if this is scientifically proven, but men are sort of more logical in their way of uh, dealing with problems or dealing with issues. As I said, we want to fix things. And uh, we often go about it in all the wrong ways. Um, you know, if, if there's a challenge in our lives or sort of default is to, you know, take that challenge on or even to escape from it with your alcohol or your porn. So there's, but I think for a lot of men, like specifically speaking to men, it's it's very difficult for them to actually be with their emotions, to be in that stillness. And ultimately perhaps a fear of being alone, the fear of the peace, which is obviously found in meditation and speak like from just hearing about your experience there, uh, I'm thinking, wow, 20 minutes, 20 minutes is a long time to be sitting in silence or to be, uh, listening to your thoughts because the thoughts obviously are linked to the feelings or emotions that are underlined beneath your surface that are potentially linked to some difficult experiences or difficult traumas from the past. So it's very, very difficult, um, for men to do that. And, for me, like I work with men on, on a on a regular basis. Meditation isn't my sort of go-to personally. It could be a form of meditation, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh journaling is is my sort of thing to do in the morning time. Where yes, I I feel what's going on in my body. Um, I've got some thoughts that are going on in my head, and I'll just I'll just write about it with full transparency and honesty, which is perhaps a form of meditation. Um, I am very interested in meditation in terms of um, this sort of third eye dynamic, which maybe you're familiar with in terms of we can only see a certain amount of things or feel a certain amount of things that are going on in our lives. So to bring that up to the next level, to a more spiritual level, as perhaps you've experienced. So I'm very interested in that. And I've been doing a lot more research and, and looking into it, but I haven't taken the first step towards doing it yet, which is... Uh, maybe my first step will be uh, joining one of your courses. We we can get to that. But for for someone who is perhaps you know, there's there's a feeling of perhaps pain or there's a feeling of discomfort when um, when they're alone or even on their day to day basis. And this is sort of coming to their awareness and understanding that you know what, I'm not I'm not at peace with myself. I've got this sort of internal chaos. Is twenty minutes? Is that? Too much to begin with for someone who's uh who's already struggling to 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 be alone for a few minutes of their day, or where do you start from there? Is it is it like a progressive process of okay, let's start with two minutes a day, you know, the same sort of process as as if you were going to the gym for the first time. You're not going to go in there and lift a 200, 200 kg deadlift on the first day. You're going to start off with the empty bar and just build that weight up over a period of time as your body becomes more conditioned to the training is the similar sort of process with the meditation or do you just go straight into, yeah, we start with 20 minutes. We start with 20 minutes a day, um, twice a day. and Or is it quite subjective on on the person? What's your sort of approach there?
1: Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up actually, because I painted a very rosy picture of how my meditation (laughs) went in that story. But in reality, um, the meditation itself wasn't, the meditation experience wasn't that blissful and happy at all. My life outside of the meditation experience was dramatically improved for the better. But um, while I was meditating, what happens is in those early days, anyway, it changes, but in the early days you learn this meditation technique where you rest the body very, very deeply. And when you're resting the body very, very deeply, a lot of your old stress, we could say a lot of your old, unprocessed emotions that are lodged in the body will start to rise up into the surface of the mind. And so you'll be meditating and you might be flooded with old unconscious material, stuff that you'd suppressed previously, old arguments, old pains that, you know, you never managed to cry out. Or every time you were fired, every time you were bullied at school, every time, you know, the dog barked at you when you were nine, if you didn't fully get to feel those and process those emotions at the time, then they'll still be in there. So all of that stuff starts to come up. So that can be very uncomfortable. So when I first teach people, I do get them started on 20 minutes twice a day. That's where that's where we start. And I hope that most people can just start there and carry on that way. But I do warn them, look, this kind of meditation is industrial strength stress release. And it's highly likely that you're gonna bring some of this stuff up in the meditation. And as a result of that, in the first week or two, you might well have some side effects from that. You might feel more fatigued than normal, groggy. You might snap a little bit at your partner. You might be the opposite. You might feel completely amazing, but I just need to warn you that these things can happen. And if it does, just don't worry about it. It will clear itself up, but you're going through a process. So just like with your gym analogy, when you first go to the gym, you do that first workout and then you're the most stiffest person on the planet, aren't you? (laughs) For like a week or two after, and then you keep doing it and the body adapts. And then you no longer have such bad doms. Whereas same thing with meditation. If you haven't been doing much therapy and yoga and meditation in the past, and then you come and do my course, you could well have a big hit off the, off the back of that. And The way I approach it is I say, look, we'll all start everybody on 20 minutes twice a day, but if you're struggling, I don't want you to be overwhelmed. I don't mind if you're having a tough time and you're you're able to handle it, but if you're overwhelmed, then that's too much. In that case, we can fix that problem by just tweaking the meditation. Maybe we'll take you down to just 20 minutes once a day or even 10 minutes once a day. It'll be very unique to the person. So we start everyone 20 minutes twice a day and then we move it down if needs be. But I find that most people can handle it the first week or two of stress release. And then things start to change and the mind body gets used to it. The stillness becomes very pleasurable. And yeah, usually people can keep it up then. And then I try and say to them, look, if you keep this up for three months, just 20 minutes, twice a day for three months, then big changes will happen because your your brain will physically change. You know, the the parts of your brain that are in charge of positive emotions can even grow bigger. The parts of your brain that are um, like the fear center, the amygdala that is in charge of what we might call negative so-called negative emotions, you know, discomfort fear that kind of thing you know that will become less active it can even shrink over time and also what can happen is when you meditate your brain takes on a certain state and then when you're not meditating it goes back to its non-meditating state after three months the meditating state carries over into your normal life and so even as you're going about your daily activities you're carrying some of that meditative state with you in terms of brain waves and how your brain functions. Now, I know (laughs) that this has happened to people I've taught or to my friends that I've taught because they'll start saying things like, oh, I was walking to work this morning and you know, I had to stop and just sit down and just admire the sky. I've never noticed the clouds before. It's because the meditation is seeping into their life now and they're experiencing life in a different way than they would have previously.
0: Yeah. It's the power of presence, is it? It's it's, and, and gratitude? Well, it's also the power of having a
1: de-excited nervous system. Most of us just don't know what it's like to have a de-excited nervous system because we're too pumped up on caffeine or we're too pumped up on the stress of life. We're just going, going, going. <laughs> so when I when I do, did my course years ago, she asked me, she said, um i want you to not do caffeine no caffeine for these four days you can go back to it afterwards no caffeine no cigarettes no smoking weed just no stimulants basically and even she said even with your tv habits well if you're watching tv uh, before the course in the day no action movies we just want to get your nervous system so be excited that you'll experience a piece that you've not experienced before. So let's try and make that the goal. So when I teach people, I do the same thing, and it just it just worked. So I never took up drinking caffeine again after I finished the course because I I've, I mean I have tried it to see what it's like, but now I notice this huge difference because I notice my nervous system. You know, I notice how quickly my heart's beating, my breathing changes. I don't want all that. I like slow breathing. I like slow heartbeat um that's not to say that i don't like exercise and stuff you know still get the adrenaline going get things pumping all that but yeah as long as i can get my nervous system calm when i want to um that's that's a goal and yeah one problem with caffeine is you can't you have to wait till it wears off so so um yeah
0: you're yeah you more in control of your emotions and and your behaviors ultimately instead of depending on caffeine or alcohol or some other stimulant to to raise your awareness or raise your um, raise your state to a certain level so i mean obviously now you don't feel like you need caffeine or a stimulant to increase your energy so is it that your energy is consistently at a fairly steady state or does it still peak or does it does it slump at period time or what's your because for me yeah i I'd, I'd have maybe two coffees a day and the reason for that is to energize myself and i and i know i know it's a stimulant i know i'm fooling myself i know it's pr- potentially uh, wearing down my uh, adrenals and everything else but <clears throat> I still do it. And it, it. I actually like coffee as well. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to justify a reason to drink it, <laughs> but <laughs> well, I'm very curious. Like, like I've gone, I've gone maybe two or three days without drinking caffeine and I feel a big difference in terms of my energy slumps. And for me, that's, that's a bit of a wake up call. If not, if nothing else to tell me, oh, okay, you know what, this is, how you actually feel without caffeine and uh, this is, this is not optimal. So I'm curious in terms of how the meditation has helped you help you, helped your energy levels to the point where you feel like you don't need caffeine or do you avoid caffeine because of the excessive energy that it, that it could potentially bring. Um, well,
1: what I've found and what has also been scientifically proven is that 20 minutes of deep meditation, the kind of meditation that I teach is the equivalent to somewhere between two and five hours of blackout sleep in terms of rest. So the scientists who, looked, who came up with these numbers, what they looked at was when you are resting in meditation, what is your metabolic rate? The rate at which you're consuming energy? What is your breathing rate? What is your heart rate? All of that. And then they've looked at that compared to somebody who's in a deep dreamless sleep, and they said, wow, OK, the person meditating is actually resting more deeply. And the reason for that, I believe, or the theory anyway, is that when you're asleep, your mind is resting very deeply, but your body can't rest fully. Because back when we were cavemen and we were had to be on guard in case a saber-toothed cat came and, ate, <laughs> came and munched on us in the night, we would need to have one part of us still online the mind needs to be online or the body needs to be online you can't rest both at the same time or you'd be in evolutionary liability and so when you meditate you are able to hold your self in a place where the mind is resting very deeply but it's still awake and aware enough to send a message to the body to say it's okay to rest very deeply as well Because I'm still alert and I'm still awake, and we're not going to get eaten by a saber-toothed cat. Um, So that's why when people do, you notice somebody who's in a very deep sleep, dreamless sleep, their breathing can be quite heavy sometimes, and I think that's because they they need that they still need that air and that energy ready to go in case something happens. But when you're meditating the breath becomes very, very shallow. The heart rate, be- rate becomes very slow. The body temperature cools, the muscles will relax. And so you get this huge hit of deep relaxation. Then you bring yourself out of it. You don't have the grogginess because the mind was you know, pretty much still online and then you're ready to go. So a lot of people do switch their caffeine hit or their chocolate hit for a meditation hit and find it's more effective as far as i'm aware what caffeine does is it doesn't actually give you energy it just cuts off the part of your brain that can signal that you um are tired isn't Isn't that right it just hides the fact that you're tired so yeah what meditation does is it
0: actually replenishes the energy levels okay yeah replenishment not um yeah not stimulating so so and, and in terms of the process of of meditation like how long or again is this very subjective I know for you within four days you're well ultimately it feels like your life completely changed because you're able to sleep how long does it generally take because as you know as human beings we want to get that result as fast as possible and we have these certain expectations that are usually unrealistic but when it comes to meditation and it may be subjective but you know how long is it before you actually feel the benefit of it is it gonna is it gonna come within that first 20 minutes? or is it going to come at at some other point down the line? Um, Again, I know it's quite subjective, but from a general perspective. Well, I would... Identify the change. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I would say
1: that it happens on two levels. So i would say the average person that I teach, they'll get a short-term benefit, the immediate benefit, which is a state change. So, ideally, what I like is when I teach someone and they get that deep relaxation, they feel the de excited nervous system, they feel some calm. Hopefully, I like it if they have a few um, stress release experiences, maybe some old difficult memories, just because, so that I can explain to them why that's happening. They're releasing some old emotional baggage that they were holding on to before that was inside. The physical body and they, that, they, that was a letting go process and so hopefully their the overall experience is good but even if there's a little bit of this emotional difficulty that's great as well because at least i know it's working and i know that they're releasing some old stuff um so in the in the early days we get some really nice benefits a lot of people say to me oh you know i feel like um I've been much more chilled. You know, I was at work today and something went wrong and I just didn't have a breakdown like I normally did. I just handled it and got on with my life, you know, and they're very happy with this outcome. So ideally, that's what we get. And I do see a big number of people having that. Of course, it's different for everyone. Some people learn it and they really struggle with the stress release at first. But generally speaking, I'd say that's a pattern. They feel pretty good, they feel pretty chilled, and they feel pretty happy. Now, over time, in the long term, you will start to get a different effect, which is what I call the trait effect. So it's no longer just changing your state every time you meditate, but we're changing your actual traits, your literally long-term personality traits of physical changes in the brain. If you change your brain, change your mind, change your whole outlook on life and change everything about yourself... So over the long term, the changes become really, really big because you're starting to now feel the meditative state, even when you're just doing other things. And that's really special. That's when the world really sort of comes alive to you. But you do have to stick at it, I'd say, for a good three months. But again, it's subjective. I got an email two days ago from a somebody that I taught and she said, you told me it would take three months, and I almost gave up. But today marks six months, and I get what you were saying about the the change. I, I really, really do feel like the world is a different world for me now. And I was like, yes, okay, six months, okay. I was a bit, I was a little bit out on my timing, but we got there. Good enough, right? Yeah,
0: for sure. Um,
1: and now I should, I should probably say at this point that. I'm not suggesting that after three months or six months, your life will suddenly be perfect and you'll have no problems and you won't deal with any negative emotions. It's not exactly that. It's just that you're not so caught up in it all. You can handle it better. You can deal with it. The stresses of life still come at you, but you're just in
0: a better place to deal with it. Hmm. Yeah. And then someone else who could take six weeks to get to that point that this lady took six months to get to, is it maybe because she had so much underlying emotional difficulties that took some time to process potentially. So it's, it is quite subjective in that sense.
1: Yeah, that's true as well. I like to say to people, make sure you do the 20 minutes twice a day. We'll say that the first meditation is getting rid of your stress from the moment, from the, you know, the various day-to-day things that are driving you nuts. And the second meditation is clearing your backlog of stress. All that stuff you've been hanging on to all of your life, all those previous breakups, those previous problems in other jobs, all of that stuff, we're letting that go as well. Takes a long, long time to start to clear all that stuff out, but you really do feel it. Mm -hmm. Um, At some point, you do start to realize that things have just got easier. Life is just not a struggle in the way that it used to be. Yeah. So it's really
0: a way of purifying the nervous system. Yes. Have you, have you found a a massive rise in popularity with meditation, especially potentially over the last two years with everything that's happened with COVID and isolations and lockdowns that you've, you've seen a spike in in popularity with this and why do you think that is? Massively.
1: Oh yeah. Massively. Um, A lot of people turn to the meditation apps and to meditation in order to deal with the anxiety and the stress that happened because of COVID. And then, they've had a similar journey to me they've recognized oh, okay this does help me with my stress and my anxiety but there's also something else here as well like this feels good and this is this is making me feel good in a way that I can't explain to other people there's no words for this experience that I'm having now I'm feeling connected to people in a way I never did before connected to myself I'm starting to recognize that Underneath my thoughts, feelings, emotions, sensations, and all my backstory, that there's a deeper part of me that I'm connecting to, but I can't fully understand it. and so they want to go deeper into that side. And my course teaches meditation, of course, but I also like to spend a lot of time on um, that side of it. What did the ancient Rishis and Yogis of India actually believe? and what were they doing with this meditation? and what were they saying we can do with it? I like to go into that side of it as well
0: cool yeah and then because it's so popular there are obviously a lot more apps and a lot more people teaching us a lot more courses so what sort of sets you apart from the rest or why would someone sign up to the meditation guys um course or to jimmy's course as opposed to sign up to someone else's course what is it that you offer that could be different to what potentially sam harris offers or what um headspace app offers or cam or some sort of youtube meditation person offers what's what's the different differentiating factors there good question yeah
1: so there are a number of different types of meditation um and most of the apps are teaching focused attention which is you know focusing on either the breath or body sensations you get distracted You notice and you come back to the object of attention and you train your mind to be more focused in that way. That's a perfectly good kind of meditation. Some of the other apps are teaching something called open monitoring, where you you just sort of witness the flow of thoughts and emotions as they move through you. Sam Harris's app, for instance, is focused quite specifically on waking up spiritually. Um, He doesn't probably use those words, but clearly that's what it is, because I've listened to it myself. It's actually quite good um what i'm teaching is a technique that's quite different to all of that it's using an ancient sanskrit mantra in a very specific way where uh, the the mantra by the way it's not an affirmation it's not like i am loved or anything it's a, a soothing sound with a vibrational quality and the way that i teach it it has no meaning but you just hold it in the mind in a very very delicate way so that it soothes the mind And it kind of charms the mind so that thoughts fall away. But you hold this mantra so delicately, just as a thought, that the mantra itself falls away. And when that falls away, that's when it leaves you in this sort of uh, deep inner stillness, inner silence that we're going for. Now, I didn't invent this. This is a technique that comes from India, uh, from the Himalayas. It was brought to the West by a Hindu monk back in the 1960s. And he taught lots and lots of people. And over the years it's been changed you know some teachers call it one thing another teacher calls it another thing and so it goes under various different names um and yeah so it's not like I'm the only person you could learn it from but people just tend to learn it from me I guess because I teach it in a way that's very easy to understand like a a friend might explain something to you down the pub, you know? (laughs) Um, So the technique itself really is what does all the magic. I'm kind of nothing special in the process. I just show you how to do it. And then I let the technique work its magic on your consciousness and on your physical body.
0: Yeah. I think that's so important though, because with meditation, it's difficult. It's not an easy thing to do. So if you're someone who can make it a lot more simpler for the, for the person to follow, obviously they're going to be a lot more. Um, it's, it's a lot more likely that they'll follow your process because you can simplify it for them. As you said, explain it in a way that you could probably explain it to a 10 year old kid potentially. So it's, you know, the, the simplistic process that, that you initiate makes a lot, it uh, makes it a lot more uh, or gives the person a lot more of a chance of being successful with it. Um, I think it's <clears throat> meditation yes it's brilliant but you'll often hear people who meditate or people who've tried it and say no it's too difficult can't do it um and as i said if you've got someone there who can make the process a lot more simpler they're a lot more likely to follow that process and obviously to be successful with it so that's uh that's that's quite important and like what's the sort of process on the course are you with them throughout those full 20 minutes are you guiding them through it like uh, to be honest, my only real experience with meditation is through the Headspace app, where, you, as you said, you do have someone there who's speaking to you throughout the whole process. I've maybe done, I probably have done about two months of consistency with it, and then journaling became my thing. I just followed that for a period of time, but I, obviously, I got some good results from that. And whatever I'm doing right now, it is bringing a lot more peace and, and solitude to my life and to my thoughts and bringing a lot more clarity and focus in. But I know that there's another level I can, I can, I can reach here and I do feel like meditation will be my next step to get to that point. So I'm very interested in your course from a personal perspective as well. So in terms of the, of the course, the 20 minutes, what's your sort of input there with what the people who, who are on it, like how, basically how, how do you run it? Sure yeah
1: well just quickly um, the big difference I think between what I do and what Headspace does Mm. is that Headspace is teaching you how to train the mind in a certain way whereas the technique I'm teaching it doesn't it's not really about training the mind at all it's about working with the natural inclination of the mind to calm down if you just give it the space and time to do so in a certain way so you're you're not really training the mind at all you're just giving the mind something, this mantra, and then allowing the mind to just unravel itself around that in a a way. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, there's no, so I'm very careful to make sure that on my course, I don't ever use the words concentrate. I'll never tell you to focus. I'll never tell you to concentrate. I'll never tell you to try hard. I'll never tell you to work or make it happen because the mind will calm down on its own. It will find its own way to peace. If you just, Uh, give it the space to do that and we do that with a mantra in a certain way so the way i set up the course is that on day one the whole thing is is four sessions over four days i do the whole thing over zoom so people can join from anywhere and on day one we've got two hours together or no 90 minutes together and i give a bit of background about where this comes from and everything then i do a short 20 minute guided meditation uh, where i give you the mantra and i show you how to use it And then I give you all the practical elements. When do you do it? How do you fit it in around food? Can you meditate on a full stomach? Or how do you time it? Um, All of that kind of stuff on day one. So you just lay a foundation. And then on day two, I give them another guided meditation. But this time, they've already got the mantra. So a few pointers, but a lot of it is just in silence to help them um, have a more deep experience. And then I'll say, okay, how was it? And it's about the feedback then, because you can tell from the questions people ask or the experiences that people share what needs to be tweaked, what they're doing wrong. And that's usually that that interaction between myself and the student is where you can really, really make these little tiny tweaks that will make a big difference to the practice and get them to experience what they're supposed to experience. And then the teaching part, I will go much deeper into thoughts and emotions. And I use lots of diagrams and um, slides and various analogies to try and get my points across. Um, And then on day three, we do something a little bit different. We go again with the meditation and again with the Q&A so we can make the little tweaks and understand the group's experiences. But then I also like to talk about in the post-meditation state, just after you finish meditation, you're kind of in this um, very calm, open, almost hypnotic hypnotic state as you come out of the meditation, you can use that little window to feed positive new ideas into your consciousness if you like. And I show people how to do that um, based on some research by somebody called Herbert Benson, who um, realized that you could put meditation and um, positive thinking together. Mm -hmm. and I also talk on day three about how this is going to change over time so how your this the kind of the state and traits thing that I talked about earlier I give much more detail about that so how is your mind consciousness and body going to change as you keep doing this and what impacts will that have and how do you deal with it and then finally on day four I finish with okay the scientific versus the spiritual part I bring up what the yogis of india who brought up this meditation and invented it and passed it to us what did they really believe it was for and what what were their amazing insights that they discovered and then i say okay is any of that scientifically true based on what we know from quantum physics and i don't go i don't make it really like boring like a lecture but in 25 minutes i just try and show that these people were genuinely insightful and they knew some really amazing things um, that even now are very mysterious to us and it's just kind of a cool way to end it on this this note where i say listen you don't have to believe any of this okay we're just going to play with some ideas and then we just do a little exploration of some of the more interesting and mysterious parts of it
0: very cool have you experienced the the, the spiritual side of it i know that you've you've gone through this journey as you said, you started off with the with the twenty minutes uh, a couple of times a day, four days, and you've sort of, as you mentioned earlier, wanted to find something more within the meditation. Have you found that? Have you found this other realm or um another heightened level of of experience through meditation, and what's it been like? Okay, yeah, not not so much an
1: other realm. It's just that reality as it is seems to become more more clear and more sharp so i don't really have the words to explain it but what i did find especially after the retreat was that my sense of being a separate self of just being little old me contained in this head and in this body that seemed to become the boundary of myself and the world seemed to become a bit more blurred and i very much started to feel more of a sense of being connected and open in a way that's very hard to describe. Certainly there's nothing in the scientific literature, but then when I went and looked in old texts from Buddhism and old yogic texts, I was like, Oh, this is what they, this is what they mean by emptiness. It sounds like a bad thing, emptiness, but this is what they mean. It's uh, not being wrapped up in your own inner world and starting to recognize that, we're all connected in this very, very deep way that was hidden from me before. So it felt like some kind of a a peek behind the curtain at something that's right there, right in front of us in reality, but we're missing it most of the time. And the nature of consciousness is very mysterious. When I did my course and they started talking about how we all share consciousness and all this stuff, I thought, well, no, consciousness comes from the brain. I'll just go home and look it up on my laptop and prove you wrong looked it up and realized there's no scientific evidence or no scientific explanation whatsoever for what consciousness is, and certainly no evidence that it's generated by the brain. And suddenly this whole world was opened up to me that there's this fascinating part of ourselves, which is always with us all the time, (laughs) but we miss it like a fish looking for water. We don't even think about it because we're so focused on objects that are within our consciousness. And the consciousness itself can't be looked at, can't be explained and has so many qualities that are so mysterious that, yeah, I kind of fell down this rabbit
0: hole and just got more and more fascinated by it. Yeah. It's it's extremely interesting. And, and I understand that it is very difficult to explain because it's, it's not something that's very logical. It's, it's a very, it's a deepened emotional state that that even explains it. Um, but yeah, it's something that's there, but we can't see it. And has it sort of changed your belief system around um, the potential of? I know we're going a little bit deeper here now, but the potential of like an afterlife, or the potential that there's something more after this, or are we already in that place, so to speak, that we're already that this is heaven on earth, and uh, you know we're we're, we're already here. Um, yeah what's sort of has it sort of changed your perspective or your beliefs
1: um it's changed my perspective I never really think much about afterlife and stuff like that I suppose it is possible and certainly I did try and figure that out at one point by looking at a lot of research into near-death experiences and all the similarities that they have and there's some very curious and strange things there um but what I got really fascinated by was Meditation is a way that you can take a dive underneath all of your thoughts, feelings, emotions, your personal story, all of that stuff that you take to be you. And you can go to the deeper level and try and experience what you really are underneath all of that superficial stuff, which is constantly fluctuating and changing. And when once you start making contact with that part of yourself, your true nature you start to recognize that what you are really at the deepest level is kind of bliss and happiness itself like there's something about your your inner being that is underneath all of that other stuff that i just mentioned which seems to be completely pure and untouched by everything if you think of um, the analogy of a A movie being projected on a screen and you're watching the movie and you're watching, I don't know, let's say Spider-Man and you're really into the story and there's a hero and there's a villain and it's all crazy and you're rooting for this person. You're so lost in the story that you overlook the screen that it's being projected on. But at no point during the movie and during anything that happens in the movie, at no point does it damage the screen. The screen is never stained or damaged by what goes on in the movie because it's just a projection. And to some degree with meditation, you can start to recognize your own inner being as this completely pure and completely untouched by everything that's passing through. And this is very fascinating for me to discover that. So this is the side of it that I became drawn to.
0: Um, Yeah. Generally speaking. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm very interested as, as, as I've been, repeating over the over the course of this episode and it's definitely something i'm looking to delve into a bit more and i'll be as i said personally looking into some of your courses here so uh yeah uh jimmy thanks so much for your insight and your inspiration on on meditation and um i'm sold <laughs> so uh <laughs> thank you and for uh, all the listeners where can they find you reach out to you or how do your courses work do you start them at, at certain times throughout the year or is it like an ongoing thing and how can someone sign up
1: yeah it's an ongoing thing you can find my website at delvedeep.com and i just run one course a month so it's always pretty much the same thing i make little tweaks here and there but the technique is ultimately the same and i'm most active on instagram you can find me as that meditation guy so it's that underscore meditation underscore guy um i'm quite yeah active on there so yeah that's where you can find me and i put most of my best content actually in my emails so if you were to go on my website delvedeep.com find my emails and sign up there um i'll write three emails a week i never know what they're going to be i just come up with something and they're just little nuggets of inspiration you know stories tips insights science anything i can come up with that will deepen your knowledge and about meditation and also make you more interested uh, and deepen your experience as well so um that's where i put most of my work actually on the emails and on instagram
0: good stuff all those links will be in the show notes below so go check them out and i think we can all do with a bit of jimmy in our lives and a bit of meditation in our lives so thanks so much <laughs> well, thanks uh, gavin yes yeah, great been having, uh, being on with you likewise my man thanks so much i'll i'll, uh, I'll be in touch i'm sure in the near future. Excellent. Cheers, mate.